Yes, everybody, it's that time of the week again, bitch. That's right, you're welcome to another ridiculous episode of Old School, New School Comedy Podcast. And I am your host, the shit-talking Christy Miller. And with me this week is a new school jack. And you know me, I hate everybody. So there's not many people I like, but there's a few new jacks that I really love. And they have something. And this is one of them. You can see him hosting the very popular comedy fight club at the stand, the Bowery Electric. They have a big YouTube show. I've done it a couple of times. I won one and got murdered on the other. It was fun. Um, it's a lot of fun. He's a great, he's probably one of the best roast battle hosts I've watched. And it's it's very talented. And he also has a podcast called The Buff Boys that you need to check out. So I want to introduce to you, Matt Marin. What's up? Thank you for having me. Oh, no, thanks Thank for being here. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> um, actually, we're now at Room 52 with Fight Club. We move around a lot. So <laughs> if you follow the Instagram page, you'll see wherever That's we're right, going. That's right, Room 52. Yeah, we just started doing it. I'm a hundred years old. I don't pay attention. <laughs> we do, we I mean, within the last two months, we've done Bowery Electric and the Stand. Also, we'll probably be back at both of those at some point. We're a little bit nomadic right now. Our home is Room Fifty Two. Nice. And the shows have been fun there. It's a new venue. It's uh kind of hidden, almost like a speakeasy. Oh, I love it's like uh, on East Fifty Second Street. It's like in between a deli and a restaurant. You have to go up the stairs, take the elevator to the third floor. Oh, that's sad. And then it's like a nice room with red curtains, and we're just calling each other gay and <laughs> it's way too nice for us <laughs> but the funny thing is is like i always tell people that this time around our roaring 20s you know yeah. for the pandemic in 1918 yeah. yeah the roaring 20s prohibition was alcohol yeah and speakeasies were popular and everything was underground and illegal now comedy has become the new comedy prohibition. is gonna be oh i like that you know we are yeah. the new prohibition you can't see that you're yeah. gonna get canceled just shut the fuck no. up i like in the 20s like uh the president at the time warren harding was like throwing parties with alcohol secretly during prohibition of course, because so i like the idea of like joe biden's having secret comedy shows with like jane gillis <laughs> <laughs> All the edgy comedy is secretly going on still in the White House. That's amazing. Or he's actually hidden like George Carlin and yeah. and Lenny Bruce. They're all on ice and he d takes them out like Walt Disney and makes them do stand-up. Yeah. Hunter Biden is just an 80s comic. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has a description of it. Yeah. He, he's coked up yep. and he's an idiot and his yeah. dad is just like embarrassed yeah. by him. You know, like every parent is, has an embarrassing yeah. drug addict kid. Every, every news story about Hunter Hunter Biden sounds like a podcast story Mark Marin tells about Sam Kennison. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great analogy of it. I always say Hunter Biden is what the comedy store was in the 80s. Yep, there you go. Yes. <laughs> he, if you want to, if comedy, if the comedy store in the 80s was a person, it's Hunter Biden. Yes. So that's how cool Hunter is. Absolutely. I love Hunter Biden. Yeah. He's such a pimp. Every every story that comes out, well, because all the people who get upset about stuff like that are the kind of people that would be bad comedy audience members. Oh, yeah, they're the kinds that pass out. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever <laughs> someone's like, can you believe he did this? At this point, I'm just like, I cannot wait to hear what it is that he did. I'm excited to hear. Well, I've yeah. got to see what he's going to do next. Exactly. <laughs> you got two fans right here, huh? Yes. You fucking player. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so funny. People get upset over stupid shit so you've been in the how long you've been doing stand-up now um a little over 10 years now um i graduated college in 2012 and i so i started doing some stuff 
in uh, yeah, <laughs> I started doing some stuff during my senior year of college. Nice. And then once I graduated, when I started like hitting the mics and everything, but. I mean, it's the first year or so, I had no idea what I was doing even. It was like, I mean, nobody does, but at least like now, people who started in the last few years, there's open micers with podcasts. Like there, you can hear a little bit about the new thing. There was, I was Googling how to be a comedian. I didn't know that open mics were a thing. Yeah. I didn't know. And you started in 2012. That's about right. Cause that's like, cause you got to grow up in the tech age. I started yeah. in 1995. Yeah. So the only way I was ever going to learn, cause I wanted to do it since I was five Yeah. or seven or whatever it was. And I got to LA, I lived in San Francisco yeah. and I moved to Los Angeles and my best friend, she's like, Kira, she goes, if you don't go down to the comedy store and do a mic, I'm going to punch you in your face. Yeah. And so I said, all right, fine. So I said, I'll go get a job as a waitress. Yeah. And if I get the job as a cocktail waitress, then that means I have to do stand up. Right. If I don't get the job, then that means I'm not supposed to do it and I have to go in another direction. Okay. So I got the job probably in like 25 seconds. Yeah. And I was in, all of a sudden I was working, I was doing shit. So it was like, it was meant to be. But back then, that was the only way I knew how to ask was yeah. go to the comedy club and do and be a waitress. So, and then you started in 2012. So you're like Googling at the time, but seeing what open like mics are 2015 2013 2014 yeah. when podcasts and yeah there were TikTok and, and yeah. instagram i mean that stuff's even almost newer i felt like the first like totally so, i mean for up until the pandemic almost it felt like everything was facebook and facebook groups yeah like all comedy fight club was had a facebook group and that right. was like Every every comic was in the Facebook group. It was yep. almost like a network. Like the networking yeah. things were all on Facebook. I you could post a joke. Somebody another comic could post something on Facebook, and you can post a comment making fun of them. And you knew every comic in the scene was going to see your comment. Yeah, you can get all the likes. You were almost kind of performing for comics. Yeah, you were on and, and, and yeah, a little bit like. Because now with Instagram and TikTok, it's so segmented. Yeah. Like, you could post a thing on Instagram, and it's like, you have to be following every single... In Facebook, everyone was just friends. Yeah. It was yeah. a little bit more community to it. Yeah, and that was what it was made for. Yeah. And um, now with, like, the Instagram reels and everything, that's still, like, you know, for even starting in 2012, where there was, like, there was YouTube and there was some technology, it still wasn't quite where no. every single person is posting a new clip every day. Well, I remember back then, too, like, when I started, like, when Adam Carolla left The Man Show. Yeah. And he started a podcast. Yeah. And it was the biggest podcast. It was like, oh, he has a podcast. Because back then, radio was dead. Yeah. And I did radio. Yeah. And I used to do radio and I love radio. Radio is one of my favorite things. Yeah. And um because I have a face for it. Good night. <laughs> um and an act for it too. Nobody wants to hear you. Um but radio was dying out. So when podcasts came out, I'm like, wait a minute, that's like radio? But it's yeah. not radio. It's not on the okay. So but Adam Carolla was the biggest thing in yeah. the world that everybody wanted to be him. And then, like, in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, Joe Rogan would bring his camera, his big old yeah. video camera, to the comedy store. And he would just film everything. Him and Eddie Bravo would just film everything. Yeah. And then I left L.A. in 2005, came here, and then that's when Joe was, like, really starting. Like, the technology was starting to grow. Right. Yeah. So Joe had the, you know, he had his finger on the pulse at that moment and already yeah. had popularity from fear factor and news radio and then he blows up and now every now everybody's a fucking I'm, podcast yeah i mean i'm not actually i think it's a for a while it felt like everyone had a podcast now it feels <laughs> now it feels like a lot of people still do but not quite everybody 
I remember it used to feel like I would go into any bar show or an open mic and I'm like, there's 17 different people here and 15 of them have a podcast. It's not quite that many. But I also always wanted to do all the comics like podcasts, even if it's just like an open micer who's only got his family watching. Well, my thought is one, uh, if they quit, maybe their friends or family remember that you were, you maybe pick up everybody's podcast, pick up another follower. And also so much of what's the first time you do a major podcast. Mm -hmm. If you impress on that, that's going to get you a lot more followers to come see your standup. You should be, if you're spending every single night just doing, working on your tight five, you should also be working on being an entertaining podcast guest. Yeah. Like, that's also a skill you should develop. Talk for an hour and be interesting. A lot of comics can't do that. No, you're 100% 100 right. And they can't, they get, they get, a lot of comics get uncomfortable with silence. Yeah. So, like, you see a comic late night and there's, like, three people in the audience. All they focus on is the empty chairs. Like, play to the tables that are there, you fucking dick. I used used to do late night here. um, And, uh, but in general, I always hate whenever any comedian gets on stage and, uh, it's almost like they're too much of a coward to try and yeah. bomb. Yeah. So they have to talk about how terrible this room is yeah, and how go this is sad, this is whatever. So then when they bomb, they can be like, oh, well, I try to... The like, room's fault. I always go up with the energy that I'm going to try and do well with a positive attitude. And if I do bad, if it doesn't work, okay, I swung and missed. But you got to fucking go for it. Don't yeah. be a bitch about it. Listen, when I started, you know, Paul Mooney took me under his wing yeah. within the minute I met him. And I... When I met, he thought him. you were a guy, pretty much. That's hey, you're a dude, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. is that is that is that? But I was a big fan that, of his. Is that known that he's gay? That's out there, right? That just, he was gay. Uh, it wasn't out, but Not we just then. knew. But and people then, never yeah. tell me. I know now. I'm the father to me, right? I think now, kind of online people. I don't think I'm breaking that. Well, the fact thing. that when he passed away, yeah. All these comics started coming out and saying, it. like, where were you when he was alive, you bitch? Mm-hmm. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Then all the people that used to talk shit about him yeah. are coming out. Oh, he was a legend. He was a godfather. Oh, of course, I go, yeah. go fuck yourself. You yeah. weren't there. I watched you, motherfucker. Yeah. I, I watched how you treated him because yeah. I, you know, I was telling my girl Eleanor, because we were both yeah. um, uh, waitresses together in the yeah. 90s. And, um, you know, and one slip of a conk and she gets, uh, whatever. I, mean, I love her. She's, that's, that's my homie. Yeah. I love, I love yeah. Eleanor. I'm so fucking proud of her. Um, I told her, I said, you know, those years with Mooney really hurt my career. Yeah. Because it, Mooney was so hated at that point. Yeah. Because he was older and bitter and the dementia was kicking in and he would just tell people to go fuck themselves and i'd be like Mooney, stop you can't get the check first and then you be sorry the contract yeah. get it aired and then cuss them out and because you're like his i'm person. affiliated I'm, yeah. I'm his i'm his mentor you know he's my mentor and yeah. i'm his feature all of a sudden it became like she's like him yeah. guilty by association so yeah. by the time we split in 2012 when he got really sick and all the hangers on all the mm-hmm. vultures pushed me out of his life Mm. And blocked me from him, so um, it, that that that's a whole nother old hurts. My heart still hurts for that because yeah. he was like my father. Yeah. So I said when they did that, I went to the clubs like, okay, now I'm out of his shadow. I can, you know, because I was working every week at Caroline's. I had yeah. a cushy gig. Yeah. So I'd go to um, the clubs, and they're like, oh yeah, you open for Paul Mooney. Yeah, you're a little too rough for our room. Associating me with him just because you just because I him. opened for him, yeah. and I'm like, how much? Yeah. Are you kidding me? So it hurt me, 
and it pulled me out of the clubs. Yeah. So I had to like start over. So I did the Jerry Seinfeld, threw the whole act away. Yeah. And I just started going in and doing spots with nothing and just writing and writing yeah. and writing and recreating a new layer of me. Yeah. And it was probably, I was so upset by that, but at the same time, it was probably one of the most greatest experiences that I'm thankful for. Yeah. Because I'm who I am today because of it. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it hindered my career a lot. Yeah, it's tough in general when you're new in comedy. I mean, Paul Mooney's like a legend, but there's there's some people who, when you're new in comedy, you think anybody who has anything is a big deal. I've seen so many comedians <laughs> just look at somebody <laughs> who actually is a nobody, but yep. they book one show somewhere and they're a fucking asshole. They're just such, treat people badly, oh, creep around women, whatever it is. Yep. And so many new comedians think that they have power. Mm -hmm. And the thing is though, they start kind of putting up with all their bullshit, but then all the other comics who know better see you and now start thinking about you. Like, you know, you- It's with guilty Paul, by a birth yeah. of a feather. And there is, and I mean, you, you with Paul Mooney, I wouldn't necessarily think anything of because it's, he's a fucking legend. But, but when it's suddenly- so You're a yeah. comic and you're smart. Yes. But there are some comics who it's like when they're buddying up to certain people in comedy who don't have any power and just are really shitty, it becomes a little bit like if you associate with shit, you start to smell a little. Yeah. It's like 100%. this person is so shitty and you're you have to know. Yeah. You're just yeah. you're enabling them for a spot at a sandwich shop on a Wednesday night. What are you doing? And I, that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're so you've nailed it so yeah. good. I love it. I love it because it's 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 you know, people like oh yeah they have something going they got some heat around them something yeah. to buddy up with them but you know what they're a piece of shit yeah and they're really not as big as you think they are hundred percent you know yeah they may have a lot of followers on Instagram or TikTok but they can walk out no one knows who the fuck they are yeah but if Paul Mooney or Eddie Murphy yeah. or George Carlin or Andrew Dice Clay walk yeah. out they know who the fuck they are that's the event if someone like that is an asshole and you kind of put up with it I get it but some of the people I see people put up with I'm like for that fucking idiot exactly <laughs> well, well you know because I grew up at the comedy store so yeah. like Dice and Mooney right. and all them were like on me at the the minute you know yeah. it was 95 when I got yeah there. so um you know Dice took a liking to me and I got to work with him a little bit and then when I moved here we kind of parted ways and um and then we got back in touch with each other in 2019 yeah was it yeah and then I did some shows started working with him again then COVID hit yeah. And now it's just him and Eleanor, which is fine because yeah. I love they're both dear. They're like my family. And Dice is like my brother. But it's like Di people think Dice is such a fucking asshole or, oh, it's Andrew Dice. Kai. He thinks he's good. That dude is the sweetest. Everything I've ever heard personally. Kind of. People who know him is. Yeah. Because he because I, I tell him, like, you know, he gave Paul Mooney his big break. Yeah. On his pay-per-view specials. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. On his second one yeah. he did. He, bought, he made them put Mooney on because yeah. he loved him so much. Yeah. And um, so Dice and I told him, I said, you know, you and Paul are so much alike because, you you know, people ha have this one misconception about you. Yeah. You're a womanizer. You're a piece of shit. You're a scumbag. You're this, you're that. But you're the night like Mooney was the kindest, most generous. Yeah. Same with Dice. And then like Mooney, if he had five bucks and you had nothing, he'd give you the five bucks because yeah. he thought I'll just make more money. 
And yeah. he didn't care. He loved yeah. to help people. Dice is the same way. And the two of them are, they're both aggressive enough on stage that I think that could be where some of that comes from. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's me too. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm a exactly. fucking asshole. And there's, a, and there's always going to be people, whatever your performance is, people are going to, that's how they know you. Yeah. So that's going to impact how they view who you actually are. Exactly. And, and it's not that it's a complete, we're not Hassan menaging it up there. But Can I? <laughs> it's not a complete act, but it's uh, it's a part of who you are. Well, no, I'll like, tell you the truth. I had an envelope of anthrax the other yeah. day, and I was very upset. And my sister yeah. got my kids. And Chris, you don't have any kids. Oh, that technicality. Oh, I lied. My bad. Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie. Emotion. <laughs> the emotional true. In my emotionally true mind, I have kids. <laughs> Only the ones I dated. Good night. What? <laughs> What am I, Chris D'Elia? Yeah. Da -da 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 -da. But in some ways, I'm kind of glad that the Instagram Reels and Everything World wasn't there when I very first started because I would have felt so much pressure to put stuff up like that that my first few years in comedy, I just got on stage and wrote more jokes. Yeah. There wasn't any... I never thought about what would be a clippable clip yeah. joke yeah. or anything. I just got better at writing and stand-up. Yeah. And um, now I do feel like part of the game is... The social media of it. My social media would be like a joke I would post on Facebook, and then if it did well, maybe try and make it a bit or do it on stage. But it was always still kind of focused on stand-up and writing. Now it really is like so much of the time that could be dedicated towards just building your stand-up does have to be built towards being an editor. Yeah, it's it's a whole new world now. Yeah. And like back then, we would just write yeah. every night. Like, you know, at the comedy store, you know, you have 15 minute sets and it's past the baton. You yeah. know, we bring each other up. So you'd start strong, throw your new shit in the middle and strong. Boom. Yeah. So bit bomb, nobody gave a shit. Yeah. And, and then you worked on it, but we had so much time and, and such quality time that yeah. we were able to write. And that's a huge thing for me being, you know, I'm December, I'm 28 years in this game. Yeah. And a lot of people think, well, there's no star power behind you. You must be washed up and nothing. <laughs> And it's like, no, I didn't suck anybody's dick. And also, most people who are making a living and working and doing stand-up comedy, most people will never know. Yeah. That's just all we work the road. Yeah. That's how our yeah. bread and butter. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of great comics I work the road with that no one will ever hear of. Yeah. And they sell out no, everywhere well, they go. Yeah. yeah. Theaters yeah. and shit. And they set their monsters on the road. Yeah. But they're not city club comics. Yeah. And that's a whole, like, there's whole different layers of mastery of this craft. Yeah, because there's also city club comics who are the absolute best here, but they could not do an hour on the road. They can't. They, yeah. they would die. Yeah. And then there's also road comics that murder on the road. Yeah. Things are a lot more forgiving on the road. Yes. With yeah. hacky shit. Okay. They, they come to the clubs. And they just stare at him like, what the fuck? What is this, 1988? Yeah. I know. I have a fun story. Maybe after oh, I'll tell, tell you who it is, but I don't know. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I like them in there. I like them in there nice, but there was a. Um, oh, nice fuck. There was a, yeah, there was a comic <laughs> who was more so of a, more a road guy. I met him like my first year doing comedy. I did like one of those like bringer competitions. Again, I didn't even know what a bringer was. I don't know any. I went, it was a Broadway comedy club. Why well, you did it? Because yeah. you didn't know. <laughs> exactly. And it was like, they do a comedy contest. After your set, they would ask the crowd to cheer for you. Right. They held out a decibel measurer, and whoever got the highest reading would be the winner. 
So then I had a really good set. My cheer wasn't as loud as my set was, but everyone was there to cheer for the people that of were there. Course, for. Yeah. So the two people who came in like first, second, third place, it was like um, someone who had 30 people there and someone else whose friends were sitting closest to where the decibel measure was. Oh, my. Yeah. That's but one of, the, one of the guys who I met there, big fat guy, does a lot of road stuff. I see him, don't see him for like another two years. This one, I've been doing it a couple of years. I'm one of the better people at open mics, which isn't much, but it's like uh, there is some progress. I'm like, yeah. I walk into a room of open micers, and there's a some level of this is a funny guy. Yeah, there's some uh, level of respect because yeah. you actually work towards it. Yeah. yeah. Um, this guy who I think has just been doing road stuff, I haven't seen him since, comes right. to a mic in the city, and he's a big fat guy, and he opens his set with, um, so I just got back from the gym. And nobody gives him anything. He's a big fat guy. Yeah. Just got just went to the gym. Get it? And yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get a reaction and immediately has the most flustered look on his face. I could tell he had never had he's like, that didn't work. He had no idea what to and do when that joke didn't open work. Open bikers don't pay attention. Yeah, that's They're it. too yeah. busy worrying about their set. Yeah. Like, you think, I love when people do crowd work at open mic. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. I, I'm going to do a show about crowd work at open mic. Yeah. Do like a reality show on fall. And just, yeah. like, shut up. Yeah. If anything, I have at times um, referenced a thing that someone else said at the mic. Actually, for a while, I just started not having an opening joke, and I would just listen to the comments before me and open right. with a riff on something just to challenge myself yeah i have to come up with something in the moment yeah and um i had a comic once tell me like you're the only person i've ever seen do crowd work well at an open mic i'm like wasn't crowd i wasn't asked to be what they do for 11 like that yeah. but i was referencing stuff in the room which a lot of times at open mics people will just do their material and won't even do that yep, yep. so there's there's like a way to, but i mean yeah when people just start real crowd working yeah I, some it can be tough i've seen some comics do it at an open mic and it's fun cuz with comics you're not asking what they do for work you can just ask some weird shit yeah like what's your favorite porn or something yeah. like that who did your mom fuck to get this thing in front of me <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it's like i did a uh, for someone i was friends with i'm not friends with anymore um have an open mic they had an open mic at the stand yeah and she was out of town and she asked me to run it for her yeah and she goes just keep the cash it's yours but just keep it going yeah okay i literally i I killed yeah but it was just berating them yelling at them you know telling them they sucked helping them with their act yeah and and in you know building confidence in them and some like people would get just cower because they don't have the, the 10,000 hours to be an expert. Yeah. They don't have the, you know, the the hours, the, you know, the odometer yeah. on stage yeah. to, like, not have any fucking feelings and just go up there raw and not worry about who's not reacting. Yeah, exactly. You know, and just be able to... And I always use the... I always tell them, use the open mic as a recorder. Listen to it out loud. See how yeah. the rhythm is. Don't worry about the reaction. Listen to it. And yeah. you'll know if it's something. If you really know who you are, exactly, yeah. you'll know if it's going to work or not. And yeah. then you try it in a real audience. But you yeah. sound it out. You play with it. You piece it together. And yeah. then you go. But they're so scared of bombing at open mics. I'm like, this is the place to bomb. I think, yeah, I think just when you're new, you haven't ever experienced things like that. Even, um, I don't uh like so before I grew up in athletics. I was always playing sports growing right. up. You did wrestling, right? So I did amateur wrestling, and I got recruited into like the pro wrestling circuit. Nice. Um, and uh, that was the first like kind of performance art 
I oh, that's really dude. This performance yeah. that helped you a lot. Yeah, because I did that for about three or four years. It was when I was in college. And uh, so the first time I did comedy, you know, bombing still doesn't feel good. But I, never heard, I was playing the villain when I was wrestling. I already had a fan jump over a guardrail trying to attack me in the middle of a show before <laughs> I ever did stand up. You know what? I had the same thing happen as a stand-up comedy. Yeah. And I, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I was um, I was the villain. I was like a fucking cocky, jacked up, nineteen, twenty year old kid. So I yeah. was, so I went hard. That's and you're supposed to do. Everything yeah. is so amplified and yeah. exaggerated. That's um, fun. Yeah, and in hindsight, there were things I said I probably didn't need to say. <laughs> no, you did. Yeah, I mean, they, they worked. But I mean, I because and but also times where Beyonce would wait to fight me after shows. At this point, I would never do that. Nineteen, twenty year old Matt was like. Fucking, I'll kick his ass and fuck his girlfriend. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so coming from that world into comedy, it still is like a nerve-wracking thing of like, because especially with open mics in New York, like pro wrestling, you're working with the crowd. You're Yeah. Uh, th there is no crowd nope. at most of the shows you're doing. These late night with two people or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's just like the writing and performance, but it's like, it's a little, it takes getting used to. I didn't have, like, the fear of bombing, um, but I did, ha you know, I didn't want to, no one wants to bomb. No one wants to bomb, yeah. but bombing is so important yeah, because it really helps check you and go over all the checklists of things that you could have done, what you could have done better, what you shouldn't have done, yeah. what you could have done worse, yeah, you know, what worked, what didn't work. But bombing, I always had it, like, at the comedy store, I always called it my dirty dozen. Yeah. Like every 12, 13 sets, yeah. I'd have a shitty one. And then all the rest would be monsters. And it was always like when I would take chances and play risks or if I was too in my head. And most yeah. of the time I was just too in my head thinking of shit or I was something was going on in my personal life and I couldn't leave it at the door. Yeah. And it, it, it's my fault. I always take responsibility yeah. for the crowd because it's never the crowd. I've only been like in one or two crowds. I'm like, you know what? You people fucking suck. Yeah. But other than that, it's my fault. And the yeah. crowd, the crowd's waiting. Yeah. I mean, even times where in hindsight, I, like everyone else will say it was a bad crowd. I think um, you can recognize that, but I'll still I'll, I'll never get off stage and not think about every possible thing I could have done to be better, even when I have a really good set. Yeah. Me too. That's why a lot of times I don't listen back to some of the if I'm trying to, like, get some material down or do a clip or something, I'll listen back. Yeah. But I don't listen back as a way of, like, improve. If it's like, um, uh. Oh, let me listen back to all my sets because I feel like I'll listen back to a good set and I'll be more complacent than I would have otherwise. Right. This set was good. Right. But if I, without listening back, I'm only second guessing. Right. Yeah. My, dad, listen, yeah. Oh, oh, I was, my dad has that. My dad's a pianist. He's okay, a, a musician. He, um, like, like Juilliard, legit, right. like classical right. pianist. And he's told me the same thing. He said, um, he's always second guessing everything. And when he listens back to it, um, because he's used to listening to other pianists play of course. or he'll hear his verse that and be like, mine's actually kind of like those. So maybe it's not that bad, but he's like, I'd rather, uh, just have my initial reaction of being overly critical. Cause right. that'll keep you. Going. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I also don't like to, I always tell people too, also that can get too extreme and it can paralyze you. Right. Yeah. Without taking chances. Cause you're too overcritical, but I listen to everything because, A, I'm always working on shit. Yeah. But, B, I listen to everything. Even when I kill, Yeah, I listen back because I want to... It's like, okay, what was it that I connected with yeah. in that in that energy realm on that plane yeah. that murdered so hard? So I listen to the energy. 
Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Of the yeah. crowd. I listen to the reactions. And I listen to how I put things together. I'm like, oh, that joke worked really well. How did I get to that point? Yeah. And and then I break it down that way. But, you know, I'm also critical. I listen to it once or twice and then I can't anymore. I mean, it's also everyone's process is different. Of course. Everyone, everyone's reactions to yeah. whatever it is is going to be different. For me, it's just always been... Um, I um, and I think it's maybe because before most people before they get into comedy, it's uh like they're shy and introverted, and comedy helps them come out of their shell yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you'll see. I think the other side is you could be a confident person, and it humbles you. Most of those people you see them at open mics and shows. Sometimes they quit pretty early because they yes. guess like I'm just gonna go back to my life where I was awesome. I kind of came from athletics. I was like traveling as a pro wrestler. I right. was confident. Um, I'm just so overly hyper competitive that when it like brought me down, I just stuck with it. But I think because um, I have that, I will listen back to stuff and kind of feel myself a little bit sometimes. But, but see, that's okay. Yeah. To feel yourself because that helps feed that positive part of you yeah. that you nurture. And like, I, oh, that was awesome. I feel I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. Then you can take that and they'll push you to the next level. Yeah. And that can go extreme. Everything can go extreme. Of course. Yeah. Of course. You have to keep it uh, within balance. But yeah. yeah, for me, I always want to um, uh, kind of stay. I've also, I never have listened back to a set and noticed a thing I didn't already think. Uh, yeah, and I always tell people the best thing every time I go on stage. People always ask me after all these years, "Do you still get nervous?" Yeah, fuck yeah, I do. Yeah, if I don't, one night I didn't get nervous. Bomb. Everybody was killing. I bomb yeah. like Israel. Yeah. Is that too soon? Too <laughs> soon, right? Too soon. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but I bombed hard. I'm like, how did I bomb? Because yeah, I was too like I got like yeah. I was just so not nervous, but. I feed off that nervousness and I take it and I throw it and put the energy in there. And for me, I just walk into the, the club every night and I just go, I just humble myself before yeah. the craft. Yep. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, I, um, yeah, every, it's, I'm all, any night it, you could have the thing that's worked a hundred times before it may not work tonight. Yeah. Especially when you, if you already kind of go into it thinking, I know this is good. Yeah. It's always, it's, you have to sell it like it's yeah. the first time you're saying it every single exactly. time. Like, you know, it's like, it's like baseball. You play 162 yeah. games in a regular season. Yeah. You, every night, at bat, every at bat is going to be something different. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a hot night at the plate. You're going to have a hot couple weeks. And then there's going to be that slump. You're like, yeah. none of this is working. Yeah. How the fuck is this not working? Yeah. I think I actually, I make the baseball compare. Everyone always talks about the batting average. Oh, 300 hitter and you're in the Hall of Fame or whatever. I just think of it as like the season. Like um, yeah. in a football season, 16, 17 games now. Yep. If you lose two or three games, you're 15 and two. You're the best team in the league. Yep. I think of baseball, like the best team in the league loses 60 games. Yeah. Like, and it, and you, that is more like what stand up is because it's, it's every night. And when yeah. you win 100 games, you're fucking crushing it. Yeah. Usually it's like 90, 96 yeah. to, in that range. And yeah. like, oh, you're killing it. Yeah. But you win 100, 110 yeah. games. You're like, who the fuck are these guys? And yeah. It's like a magical year. Yeah. And you had 60 bad nights in a yeah. six month period. Yes. That's if, two yeah. months. Yeah. That's two months solid of no yeah. stop, yeah. no break. So what, if you're doing comedy for a long enough time, you're going to have years worth of bad sets. Yeah. And yeah. that's. And for me, that if, how if I, you're one of the best, you'll have years worth of bad. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, and if you don't have bad sets, you're not trying hard enough. You're not pushing yourself. Yeah. You're not taking risks. You're not challenging yourself. I don't think there's any uh, anybody who's the um, even those people. They'll they won't have bad sets, but they're never gonna have great sets. Yeah, 
They'll have they can there's some they'll, people they'll they'll post on being good. Yeah, they 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 do the job. Yeah. I go there because I always tell people I'm like, did was there anything special about those comics? Yeah. Oh, there was a, they were really funny. Oh, who stood out? Um, there was a girl, and I don't know. She said something about her boyfriend. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, then she wasn't special. Exactly. What was this person's perspective? What's the unique yeah. take? Do you remember you their remember name? name? Yeah. Do you I don't know their about... name. I yeah. don't know anything. I go, well, then they really weren't that special. Yeah. They did their job. Yeah. They killed it. They did their job yeah. the night and entertained you, but it really wasn't like cruise ship comics. Yeah. They're a dime a dozen because they that's their genre. That's a hard... F- I did one, and I'm never doing it. Yeah. I, not for me. I was on a cruise, not to do comedy, just like on a family vacation uh, last year. And um, I've done a couple... My family's gone on cruises like every once in a while, and they'll like offer to take me with them and pay, and I'm like, sure. Sure. Um, and the last one... Um, I never go into the comedy show, but I was just walking around looking for something to do, and the comedy show was just starting. I walked in for like 20 seconds and turned around and walked out. <laughs> so I walked in, and the person on stage was like, um, uh, hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, hey, I got news for you. Do you know there's a new stat that one out of every three people is ugly? Look to your left. Look to your right. If they're not ugly, guess who it is? I turned around and walked down and like, I am not watching any cruise ship comedy anymore. <laughs> oh my God, that shit is so 40 years old. Oh my. At least. Uh, well, maybe 50 years yeah. old. That's why I keep forgetting it's 2020. Yeah. I still think it's 2010. Yes. <laughs> I'm wishing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's so, but you know what? And that works for them. They make a great living. Yeah. But no one knows who they are. Yeah. You know, and I have a lot of friends that work that like like my homegirl, Michelle Ballin. Yeah. She's been she's a she's the queen of cruise ships. Yeah. She's a monster on the cruise ships. Yeah. She came here, I ran into her at the comedy cellar, and she goes, Oh, thank God, Christy. She goes, Finally someone that knows who the fuck I am. Yeah. And I'm like, and that was just like a punch right in the face. Like yeah. Yeah, Christy, you don't want to get caught down that. I, yeah. you know, I try to make her feel better. I'm like, hey, girl, at least you're getting paid a lot of money to do yeah. what you love. You are traveling the world. You're too. seeing the world. You're doing what you love. You know. And I go, who, who's better than you? Yeah. And she goes, oh, I never thought of it that way. I go, yeah. I go, we're all fighting over fifty dollars yeah. spots and ten dollars spots. Grass is always greener. Anytime yeah. I do road stuff, and uh, I mean, we've taken Comedy Fight Club on the road. We had earlier this year. We had like a month or two where almost every. I think we only did one or two shows in New York, and we every we were in Philadelphia. Did a Rhode Island show, Connecticut, did some Jersey stuff. All tri-state, everywhere, anywhere we could drive to, we were able to get a show going. Right. We did Poconos. We did this year. Uh-huh. Um, and every time we're doing those, I'm like, fuck, are we becoming irrelevant in New York? But everyone in New York is thinking, God, I wish I'd be able to get on the road and do more stuff yeah, on the road. Dude, they took it on the road. Yeah. That's a great idea. Exactly. Yeah. So no matter where you are, you're looking at what other people are doing. And because nothing that you're doing ever feels as good as what other people... When you look at what someone else is doing, you imagine it being the best thing possible. Yeah. When you're looking at what you're doing... Social media. Yeah. When you're looking at what you're doing, it's just kind of the thing you're doing. Yeah. You're like, yeah. this isn't really that great. Really. Yeah. Like people like... Because people look at me and they go... Dude, you're crushing it. I go, am I that? Yeah. I need to, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and they're like, give you an album out. It's doing great. Your podcast, I said. Okay. You know, yeah. but, you know, like, okay, if that's what you think, that's great. I think it's, I could be doing a lot more. Of, of course, course we yeah. can. And I'm not where I want to be. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going in my own lane at yeah. my own pace with all by my, I'm a one-man band. Yeah. 
as long as I can look and think I'm doing everything possible to keep building this and doing more and I'm constantly working and if I'm doing the same thing that's not getting anything, I'll shift and try something else. But I'm yep. always doing something. Yep. As long as I'm doing that, that's kind of where my mindset is. And I don't yep. really think about any of the uh, if this person thinks I'm doing well or not. That's... No, I don't get yeah, that's waste of energy. Yeah, I don't think about that shit. Like I don't, I don't care what other people are thinking. And then sometimes, you know, like I'll be like, God damn it, you know. And I see things, and I'm like, God damn it. Then I gotta check myself, Christy. Just shut up. Get over yeah. yourself. It's not that great. I did a show like a couple months ago where it was like a small spot at a QED in the story. I've done shows at QED. It's a fun spot. I do a lot. Of, done have done a lot of shows there. And the comic who uh, one of the other comics on the show said um, they were surprised I was there because they didn't think I would do small spots like that anymore. It's like, how big do you think I am? I know. I was like, and QED's not like a bad spot. QED's it's a fun. good spot. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm like, I want to do everyone. If I can do QED every night, I was. I'm not I'd, booked every night, so yeah, I love doing small shows because for me, I'm writing a lot. Yeah, and that's where the magic happens. Yeah, like when you do in the A rooms or on the road, you're bringing your A game. Yeah, you know, you're killing them. But it's like it's so nice to be able to. Hey Ed, Ed, the manager's here. Um. Which were cut so great to be able to like get intimate. Yeah. And people ask it like, you would do my show? Yeah. Oh my God. I I, I never asked you because I thought we weren't good yeah. enough for you. And I'm like, girl, there ain't no stage that's too good yeah. for me. You know? Yeah. A stage and a mic, I'm there. I don't yeah. care if it's at your family's house. Yeah. If I don't have anything booked, I'll go. Uh, I'm there. Dude. I did an open mic and someone was like, I was surprised to see you slumming it with us open micers. I'm like, I didn't have anything booked. I wanted to get on stage. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean slumming it? There's yeah. a mic and there's time. Yeah. It's a stage. Yeah. What's wrong with it? Yeah. But um, I love- Well, there are comics I know who, um, once they start getting some shows, they stop doing mics because their thought is like, well, I'm not a person who does mics anymore. And I'll see, I've seen it happen with people where I think they stop improving. Yeah. They're not, they they're don't not have at hustle. that level yet to yeah. not do a mic. And they yeah. think they are. Yeah. But they're not, I'm t almost 28 years in. If there's a mic tonight, I would get on it. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to hang out and do this mic because I'm yeah. not booked anywhere because I yeah. never book anything Sundays. Yeah. Because of the show. Because it airs on Mondays at noon. Yeah. So, um, but I love that you're here. And yeah. I love to wrap up the show with two questions I ask every comic yeah. because it's such a, they're so fun. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting too because I have a list of of bits and comics that I have and I like to hear other people's input. So what is there a comic that has done a bit that you went motherfucker that's brilliant. I wish I had written that. So I'll say when I just saw it like recently on Instagram and it's a buddy of mine, you know Nick Simmons? Oh yeah. Yeah, Nick's great. He lived in New York yeah, um, for a while mm -hmm. and uh, I think he's uh, he's in Florida now. I think he's he said in Florida? He, I think he said he may be coming back to New York, but uh, he's in LA for a while. Yeah, he was in LA. Um He's doing great. Yeah, and I just saw he posted a thing a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. and um it was a joke about um he has a Latina girlfriend and I've I've dated Several Latino women. <laughs> I don't know. My boyfriend's Puerto Rican. Yeah, so. <laughs> and um, and he just had a bit about getting an arg in an argument with a Latina woman, mm -hmm. and how you can never win the argument. And the uh, the bit he does is that it feels like they have an AK forty seven, and if you're a white guy, you're just there with a musket. <laughs> <laughs> They're just firing like, yeah. why did you? But the, 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 yeah. and you're just like, 
Yeah. You're rude. <laughs> it's so good. I shared it on my Instagram this week because it was his birthday. That's I just awesome. It's one of those um yeah, as a white guy who's dated Spanish girls, it's uh oh, it's just such it's, a yeah perfectly encapsulates every argument I've ever been in. He took out the part where they throw blunt objects at you, but yeah. <laughs> a chumpleta and all that shit. <laughs> or a baby. Yes. <laughs> but uh oh I love that. And uh also because I opened for Paul Mooney for so long. Yeah. Paul would wrap up his sets yeah. doing street jokes. Okay. But he would mooneyize them. Yeah. So he'd add a little mooney twist to it and he would destroy. He would do like three or four. Yeah. And then wrap it up and go. Because he loved street Mooney loved a street joke more yeah. than anybody ever knew. So I always ask, what is your go to street joke? Um, so this goes back to when I was like in the car on the wrestling road trips. That was all we did. Oh, of course. But it was like one after another. So it wasn't as much like the long drawn out ones. It was the, what do you call it? Yeah. Like a lot of those. And, um, so when I first started, like before I did comedy, I would post like street jokes on my Facebook page because I never knew what to post on Facebook. Sure. And after a while I started kind of coming up with my own jokes, but I wouldn't tell anyone because I was too embarrassed to write my own <laughs> jokes. So it'd be like, here's a joke I heard. It would be one I secretly came up with. So my and people started commenting like, You're really funny. You should try stand the first time I did stand up was five minutes worth of my own like Facebook posts. Nice. Um but one of my favorites from back in the day uh was the uh what do you call the excess skin around a vagina? A woman. Yep. <laughs> Love that one. Oh, no, it's a great one. You like great. You know, yeah. Like, and there's the male version. What do you call the useless skin around a man's penis? The man. There you go. Oh, you know, yeah. All that. Yeah. That, and, those are the kind of jokes that a bunch of dudes on the road to a oh, wrestling show were telling each of other. Of course. The, I, uh, I I used to know like maybe hundreds of those. Just uh, how do you stop black kids from jumping on the bed? Put Velcro on the ceiling. Yep. No. <laughs> oh yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Well, um, How do you get a one-armed Italian out of a tree? Uh, wave at him. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why are so many Italians named Tony? Yeah. When they came to America, they stamped two New York on yes. foreheads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. I love um, it. You hear about the uh, Chinese guy with the boner who ran face first into a wall? Nope, broke his nose. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Matt. So yeah, I'm so glad you were here. Thanks for doing the show. Of course, thank you for having me. I love you. I think you're so funny, and I hate everybody else. So yes, thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, tell everybody where they can see you, where they can follow you. Yeah. So at Real Matt Marin on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, at Comedy Fight NYC is the Instagram page for Comedy Fight Club. And that's where we have all the shows listed. Uh, YouTube.com slash Comedy Fight Club to watch all the battles. And the Buff Boys podcast is me and Joe Gorman. And that's also on Instagram and Twitter, Buff Boys Podcast, and YouTube for the video. Nice. Yep. And Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were here. And uh, this has been another episode of Old School, New School Comedy Podcast that we record sort of live here yeah. at the Comic Strip every week. And uh, I'm just happy you're here. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the show. We love you. See you next week. Time.